Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over! And Carolina has won the game! Finley to throw. Over the middle, intercepted, Wolfuck again! Wolfuck the other way! At the 30, the 40, Wolfuck to midfield! Miles Wolfuck with the pick, the heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory! Left side of the line, Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams gonna throw, one-on-one, Davis has it! Touchdown! Carolina wins! Carolina is the Coastal Division champion! Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio has a 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not! Yes, he is! Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown! Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Now, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Burr. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And today, it is our final regular season preview of the 2021 season. Yeet, yeet. I can't believe that the season has gone by this fast already. College football season always seems to fly by fast. This year uh, has been uh, just a tremendous season overall throughout all of college football. Not quite as successful as we were hoping on the Toriel side of things, but man, it's felt like this has flown by. Uh, but here we are. Yeah, it is. Uh, this game scheduled for Friday, uh, November 26th between Carolina and NC State. We're going to, of course, talk about that. Um, Sam Howell uh, in terms of the the update here we'll give you that in just a second we'll give you the keys to the game uh the official predictions uh we'll also have uh you know a, a, a closing note before we get out of here for you guys as well as we do every show but yeah let's jump in talk a little bit just really quickly about Sam Howe there's nothing new from the last time that we were on with you guys it's just going to be something where Carolina is going to probably take this all the way up I would expect until game time I think that there's not going to be any clear direction on where exactly they're going but I do think it will be different even if they realize that he probably can't go than it was a week ago against Wofford I feel like going into game day um, and really going into you know up until about an hour before kickoff you probably still won't know whether or not he actually is going to go they're going to try to probably keep that under wraps try to make state prepare for any of the three quarterbacks that they could possibly see um, and hopefully he is able to go in this game we both talked about it yesterday uh, when we recorded it this is one where I would be very shocked if he is even probably 75% if he doesn't try to go out there. As long as they give him the thumbs up, the training staff, that is, gives him the thumbs up, Mm -hmm. that it's okay for him to just 
go out there and play this game, he's gonna give it a he's gonna give it a go and at least try to see what he can do with that arm in this game against NC State and and, and they're gonna need him for sure. I, the, the question remains, though, if he can't go in this game, and, I mean, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, but for the people that maybe didn't watch yesterday or um, didn't listen, if you want to go back and check out the Wofford edition of the podcast, go ahead. But let's have this conversation just really quickly again off the top. If he doesn't end up starting in this game, I think it's pretty clear that you've got to go with the guy that you feel like is going to be able to – Make your offense run the way that you want it to run. I know Jacoby Criswell is the more experienced guy in this offense. I know he's a guy that received comps coming out of high school to Sam Howe. I think that the best chance for this offense, if Sam Howe can't play, to compete in this game is Drake May starting. Yeah, that should be the guy who should start. Um, He's the future of your offense, and he has been the future of your offense. Since you made it a, a priority to flip his commitment from Alabama to your program, you were setting yourself up for this exact situation for when Sam Howell moves on. You have a guy in place to take over and not experience a massive drop-off in production. Not saying that there will be a massive drop-off if you go from Howell to Criswell, because uh, I don't think it will be a big a, a big drop, but I do think the, the margin between Howell to Criswell is bigger than the margin from Howell to May. And look, you just saw the other day that May has some of the intangibles and the kind of stuff that you like to see out of your quarterback, especially in Phil Longo's offense. You like his arm and stuff like that. And so that's who I would go with. I think even though Criswell has the more experience within the system, I think Drake May gives you a better chance to win, and you ultimately play to win the game. I said it yesterday on the podcast. I think if you go back and watch that game, it's very clear that the guy that can get the ball down the field better is Drake May. And that was something that we kind of knew with him. If you went back and watched his tape in high school, he was sensational in the intermediate portion of the game that, that was that's that's where he did his most damage uh, and he did a lot of damage in the deep passing game as well and we saw both of those aspects on display the other day against state I think or against state against Wofford um, I think that with Criswell I think it's more that Criswell to me looked a little shaky when he had to throw the ball 10 or more yards down the field mm-hmm. a lot of his success came with getting the ball out quick and moving the chains. And look, if you had to go with him, I, I think he showed that he can get the ball out quickly and that, that offense can work. But when this offense has been at its best, it's been able to hit the long passing plays. It's been able to hit those intermediate routes this season to Josh Downs. So I feel like Drake May is your guy in, in that scenario. And, I mean, look, the hope is that you don't have to see that. I don't think you will have to see that. But I think that, it's 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 definitely a possibility that people have to keep in mind. And even if you're not keeping it in mind for this game, if we find out Sam Howell can go, it's something to keep in mind for the bowl game. Because I think we both agree that, look, if Carolina makes the bowl game and if Sam Howell decides to go to the NFL, which the more that I'm reading, there was an article that was released the other day by Daniel Jeremiah, I believe, or maybe it was Ian Rappaport, one of the two over there at, at, at NFL Network. Um, that said, look, there are people that are extremely high on these quarterbacks in this draft. Still, uh, people have compared this to <laughs> the 2017 class, that's, thinking that there are gems like Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson who could be there uh, that may not go in the top 10, that may not go in the top five, but are guys that could end up being really good NFL quarterbacks. And one of the names that was thrown in there somewhat consistently, Matt Corral and Kenny Pickard are the guys that look like locks. Sam Howe was probably the th- would probably be third or fourth just from looking at some of the people that mentioned him. And there were a couple of scouts that said it's him and another guy that are at the top, and then it's the rest of the class. So I think we can both agree if that ends up being the scenario – at the least, Drake May or Jacoby Criswell, probably both of them, need to be preparing to play in the bowl game, and they should be preparing to play this week just in case. Yep. So, Carolina, again, 
they, they are now locked into a bowl game. So let's, you know, move on, talk a little bit about this game on Saturday, uh, again, or on Friday, Friday. against uh, NC State. If it's Saturday, they're definitely well, going to get beat. I'm so used to saying uh, it was on Saturday. Uh, it's been th- – th- first of all, don't want this game ever on a Friday because we played this game on a Friday back in 2016, and Carolina seemed to forget that there was a first half to the football game. That's been an issue for them this season. That'll definitely be something that we'll talk about in the keys to the game. Um, But look, I mean, this is a a historic matchup between these two. Carolina owns the series lead. You look at their quarterback, Devin Leary, so far this season. uh, He's, I mean, completing 65% of his passes, uh, 3,186 yards, 31 touchdowns, five interceptions. He, He is definitely part of that group of quarterbacks in the ACC that have been really, really, Really good uh, so far this season. It is just amazing the quarterback talent that the league has and the amount of struggles that they've had overall. Um, and he's really improved here down the stretch of the season uh, on the back half of their schedule. But the thing I'm not getting is there are a lot of people that are talking about how great this backfield is. This is an NC State team that only averages 127.2 rushing yards per game. So it's not quite as dynamic as the people would make you think. Now they've got Zonovan Knight and Ricky Person who have had you know solid seasons so far this year. Um, but th- this is an offense that is going to be relatively pass-heavy, which probably benefits Carolina a little bit more uh, than a team that is going to be a little more run-heavy with some of the struggles that they've had in the second half of the season. Uh, in the passing game, they have three legitimate wide receivers. Emeka Mezzi is their leading receiver, 55 catches, 690 yards, and four touchdowns. Thayer Thomas out of the slot, 47 catches, 548 yards, and seven touchdowns. And then you've got Devin Carter on the outside, 31 catches, 556 yards, and six touchdowns. He's going to be the deep threat. Um, And look, this is probably one of the biggest areas of concern for Carolina because you don't have Jaquarius Conley in this game. You've got three receivers to defend. You've got a legitimate slot receiver in Thayer Thomas. There's going to be a lot on the plate of what we think is probably going to be Trey Morrison in the nickel. So they've got to be able to slow that down. But we've talked about it. You've got to be able to get pressure on the quarterback. That's going to be your best way to try to get this passing offense off rhythm and potentially create some turnovers from Devin Leary, which you'll need to do. Yeah, and look, State, State's state got weapons. This is an offense that's averaging 33 points per game, almost 300 yards passing the football. So they're not going to be afraid to put Leary back there and let him sling the ball 35, 40 times. That's been their offense for the majority of the season anyway. So with that being said, and you know you've got issues in the back end just with injuries, this can't be a, a game where Jay Bateman doesn't dial up blitzes and, and, and bring pressure. I'd much rather Carolina give up big plays trying to create pressure and get after Devin Leary than sitting back and not getting pressure and getting picked apart. That's that's where I'm at. Yeah. Um, and it's something that, you know, you got to pick your poison and you, you got to bite the bullet. But I think that's where you're at, given you're without your best secondary player going in. Um, and, and, you know, you, there's no reason to believe your front four is going to be able to create pressure on its own because, well, they just haven't been able to do that all year consistently this season. So it's going to be something where Jay Bateman's going to have to get after Leary. The problem is, is he's gotten a lot better protecting the football, just five interceptions as opposed to 31 touchdowns. If there's any... If there's anything you need to do in this game is you need to try to make State run the ball because they're not a good running football team, just 127 yards on the ground. So if you can hold up in pass and your guys can make a couple plays and put them in, in you know in run situations and make plays in those situations, then you've got a chance to hold up defensively. I don't think it matters. I think this is a game that it's going to be a shootout. First one to 35 or 40 is going to win, but it's how you it's how you you know game plan around that's going to give Carolina the best chance. Well, it's probably going to be a lot like what we saw in the game against Wake Forest, where yeah, there's going to be a lot of points scored, but you've got to come up with 
timely stops, stops in turnovers, and in the red zone holding them to field goals as opposed to touchdowns. Right, and I think that, look, Leary's shown he can take care of the football, but in the game against Wake Forest that they lost a couple of weeks ago, he threw a couple of interceptions. So it's not like this guy is invincible. We thought that about Sam Hartman coming into the game against Wake Forest, and Carolina created two interceptions off of him. So... Again, it's it's about getting consistent pressure. I'm with you that I want to see more blitzes. My biggest concern is that even when Carolina has blitzed at times this year, it hasn't really done much. Yep. They still, even when they send an extra guy or two, they're still not getting to the quarterback. Now, part of it is that some guys have just gotten the ball out quickly, and that's not the worst recipe against Carolina's defense because you're putting guys that haven't tackled all that well in space – in one-on-one situations out in op- out in the open. So, I, I mean, that's the thing is Carolina's got to be able to find a way to at least force some of those quick passes and, and, and be able to make tackles in the open field. This has got to be one of their cleanest games from that aspect uh, as well. You know, one of the most dangerous things about that, about NC State is the special teams unit, and it's mainly the kick returns. They have, I, I mean, Zonovan Knight, two kick returns so far this year. He's averaging 37.1 yards per return on his 13 kick returns this season. And look... Jonathan Kim's been a really good weapon for Carolina in terms of touchbacks over the last two seasons. I don't know if if Knight is a guy that no matter where it's at, he's going to try to run it out. I think Carolina has done a pretty solid job. They rank pretty well in terms of the kick return numbers so far this year, even when teams have attempted to return it on them. This is one of those areas we don't talk about it a whole lot, but it's going to be important in this game because especially in a game like this that we feel is going to be a back-and-forth battle and a close battle between rivals, allowing special teams touchdowns will no doubt lose you this football game. Yep, and I think that's something that uh, that – Carolina thinks got a little bit better in special teams this year, and they didn't really have a choice given the amount of changes uh, Mac Brown has made on the staff. But this is the this is a team that NC State they they excel in this. That is a big part of their offense. It's not just the fact he's gotten two touchdowns; it's the short fields and field position is going to matter in this game. So there might be some times where Carolina does some pooches. There might be some times where they don't deliberately kick the ball out of bounds. But if it does go out of bounds, that's still better than putting the ball in his hands because he's that dynamic of a playmaker. So on the flip side, you've got to be able to counter that. And I think that's going to be the next one thing that Carolina's got to improve in there and in, in going into next year. they got to get more dynamic in the, in the return game as well. So if State's going to make some big plays, you got to make some big plays on your own. Yeah, and look, there's a couple other aspects of this team that a lot of people have talked about. Um, I, I mean, defensively, they're definitely a really good football team still. Uh, their numbers are, are, are ranked ext- – I mean, they're one of the better defenses Carolina's going to face all year. I think it's either them or Pitt. Um, and, and this has kind of been a relatively down year for them. Uh, if you look at you know some of the guys on their defensive front, it's a lot of their linebackers that have stepped up and made plays so far this season um, as opposed to some of the guys that you would normally suspect – in their front four, um, but Carolina's got their hands full. Drake Thomas at, at inside linebacker has been uh, just outstanding in place of Peyton Wilson so far this year. 91 total tackles this year, 12 tackles for loss, six sacks, three interceptions, nine quarterback hits, two pass breakups. I mean, this guy is all over the field, so Carolina's definitely got to be able to take care of business against him. Tanner Engel, their safety, 74 total tackles so far this season. He's another guy to keep an eye on, the leader of that back half. Um, and, and look, I mean, they've got guys still that you know are having pretty good seasons on that defensive line or really just in that front seven in terms of getting into the backfield. Levi Jones, six and a half tackles for loss this year, four and a half sacks. Daniel Jones, seven and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. Devin Beatty, seven and a half tackles for loss and one sack. So you're seeing a pretty common theme that this is an aggressive team that likes to get upfield and make tackles in the backfield. And even this past week, Carolina's offensive line wasn't nearly as dominant as they needed to be. In a game where your quarterback comes in banged up, this needs to be 
the type of performance that we saw against Virginia, the type of performance that we saw against Wake Forest, and it should it it shouldn't be that much of an issue because both of those games you had a little bit of extra motivation. So this one should be another one where you should be motivated to come out and try to slow this group down. You're probably not going to be able to take them completely away, but you need to have better resistance than you did a couple weeks ago against Pittsburgh. This has to be the best offensive line Carolina's played all season long if they want a chance to win Saturday. Your quarterback, if Sam Howell plays, isn't going to be 100% healthy, and who knows how many hits his body can withstand. Then if you got a backup quarterback in there, NC State has the type of ability to rattle that quarterback and and you know deprive him of any confidence and make it make it for a long uh, Friday night. And it's really hard to be confident this team, this group's going to pull together and they're going to be able to dominate or, or at least hold their own because, as you mentioned, they didn't give you anything last week to really hang your hat on and say, man, we feel a lot better about this performance after Wofford. Which is crazy thinking they ran for 305 yards. But I just, to me, and I don't know, you were, you were watching at home, it just looked kind of hit and miss. Like you had some big plays that helped you out. Your quarterback scrambled for, what, a combined – trying to do quick math, over 100 yards between the two of them. I think it's 104 yards between the two of them. So, I mean, still ran for 200 with your backs. Not terrible, but to me it just didn't feel as dominant as yep. it probably looked in the stats on the stat sheet. So they've got their work cut out for them, and, and Stacey Searles is probably coaching for his job in this game. If he can find a way to get his group to pull, you know, come out and play relatively well, you could probably see a scenario where he's back in Chapel Hill next year. Well, what coach do we think is not coaching for his job? Is Everybody except Mac Brown and Phil Longo potentially coaching for their job. I don't think I don't think Tommy <laughs> Thigpen's coaching for. His I don't. Job. I, I I'm just kidding. I there there was on air earlier today uh, at the job. Somebody told me that I've tried to fire every single person most on the of, staff so far this year. Most of the coaches but, should be fired. I mean, um, but not. Uh, but not Phil Longo, um, and, and, but but Stacey Searles in that discussion. So it'll be a, a one last chance to get the best out of his group in a rivalry game. But the problem is it's on the road. And NC State, that place, Carterfield is going to be rocking Friday night. And this team looks shell-shocked at, at the uh, Mercedes-Benz zone in Atlanta. So they everything that could be possibly stacked against them is stacked against them. So they got to find a way to overcome that adversity and play well Friday. Well, we're going to tell you the keys to the game here in just a second when we come back. We'll also give you our official predictions. Uh, and then we'll get you out with a closing note as well. But before we do that, uh, we have to tell you about DraftKings. Uh, and uh, here's that ad right now. We'll be back to the Heel Tough Blog podcast after this message from DraftKings. Let's actually pay the bills here on the podcast and tell you about DraftKings and a great opportunity that you have coming up this Thanksgiving. Of course, you're thankful for family, you're thankful for food, and you're thankful for us. free bets. That's right. Well, yes, of course, you're thankful for us, too. We keep you informed, and we're pretty entertaining. We're kind of ugly, but, you know. Uh, that's right. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL, has a turkey day no-brainer that you can't miss. New customers can bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game, including his Cowboys if you want to bet on that. How about them? And win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. Who do the Lions, do they play the Bears? I wouldn't bet on that if they play them. I, I believe they play the Bears. I Bet on the Dallas game. Um, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state just yet, though, you can still get in on the Thanksgiving NFL action, make your first deposit, and you can play for, play free for millions with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point in the game. That's promo code TPPN this Thanksgiving at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
All right, we are. hope you are taking advantage of that here over this Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, some really good games, three games on Sunday uh, that I know a lot of you guys will be locked in on, so make sure uh, that if you are, head over to DraftKings, make a little bit of money off of those games because we believe that all of those teams should score, although I'm not super confident in the Bears and the Lions. That's, yeah. that's a little concerning. I, that will be the time where, even though I haven't eaten yet, that will probably be my nap game. The other two are good enough where I'm definitely going to stay up and watch. That one, ah, I, I can't, I can't get into that. When that expect no Mitch, don't care. It's, so, better, it's better without Mitch, to be honest. Okay, yeah, because I'm sure that you want to watch Andy Dalton and. Tim Boyle? Yes. I don't even know who that is. I, I want to see the Red Rocket. Tim Boyle sounds like some sort of condition that you get on your rear end. He sounds like a TV character. And you have to go to the doctor for. Um, he, he does. He sounds he sounds like Phil Dunphy's best friend in Modern Family. <laughs> Tim Boyle. Um, but, yeah, let's get to the keys to the game for this game that will be on Friday after you get through all those Turkey Day festivities. Um, hopefully, you're, you know, if you're at the in-laws' house, you can settle in and watch this game. Whatever you got to be doing on that day, uh, hopefully you can settle in and watch this game. And, I mean, the first key to the game is, and, I mean, you touched on it a little bit before we left here. This team has to come out and get off to a fast start. And there's a couple of different things that go into that. First of all, as you've mentioned, three of the four games, they've gotten off to slow starts, mainly offensively. Yep. Um, the, I mean, first two games of the season, they looked pretty good on the defensive side of the football, kept the team in the game, but the offense couldn't really do anything in the first half. The game against Pittsburgh, your first quarter, neither unit was ready to go. Mm -hmm. Your defense responded. Your offense still didn't know uh, until you got to the second half. I think the biggest thing is that offense has to be ready to go. Because if we're feeling like this is going to be a high-scoring game, which I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I feel like this is probably going to be uh, somewhere in that in that mid-30s range for both, both teams. Carolina's got to be able to come out of the gates quickly. And I don't know if that's a guarantee, but I think that there should be an extra motivating factor for them to come out of the gate quickly, and that's the fact that they have not won this year on the road yet. You should want to come out quick and get that win on the road. Yeah, and this would this would be a game that if Carolina wins the toss, you put your offense out there and you try to go ahead and establish some momentum, some confidence. I, I would like that. Um, and look, Carolina's probably going to have to find a way also to steal a possession or two. This should be a game where all the tricks on the back come out. Where you bring out your trick plays, you know, a fake, you know. Are you going on? You going onside on, on the opening kickoff? You know, on, onside kick, whatever. You, to be honest, you've got to build a lead. You've got to make NC State play from behind. Because they're deeper than you are, so they're not going to be faced if it's a one possession game in the second half. That's 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 how they like to play anyway. They can wear you down. So if you can make them play from behind and you can play with confidence and then try to dictate the way the game's going to be played, you've got a greater chance of playing this game. If you come out and you get down two possessions in the first quarter, game's over. You're not you're not coming back on the road in that environment against NC State down two scores, especially if Sam Howell is not 100% or not playing quarterback. Well, they've also struggled, NC State has, when they've gotten down in games early. Remember that one of the main reasons they lost that game against Mississippi State was because you had the long kickoff return early in the game, and they just never really responded. So if you could come out and kind of kind of shut that crowd down, get a little momentum going in your favor, that could be huge. I don't think the motivating factor is going to be an issue in this game because th this is one that Mac Brown has always seemed to have these guys ready for over the last couple of years. Um, even back in 2019, Carolina was still not that great of a road team back then. They were motivated for that game against NC State. I know, again, that that's not the same team that you're facing this year. Um, even last year, Carolina had the duds against Florida State and Virginia. And I look, I know that the Duke team that Carolina played a year ago is nowhere near as good as the NC State team that they're going to play on Friday night. Carolina still came out ready to go for that game and ran Duke off the field. So in terms of motivation, it feels like Carolina will be ready for this game because Mac Brown has not had an issue communicating to his guys how important these rivalry games are. 
Are you concerned about that aspect? I know we've talked about the slow starts for a while now on the road and the fact really just not performing the way they need to on the road. I'm not concerned about that aspect in this game because it's a rivalry game. I feel like Mac Brown will have these guys ready to go. I mean, I think they'll be prepared. Can I am I 100% confident or not that they're going to be ready to play on Friday night? I'm not because they haven't given you a reason to be confident in that. Um if, if this game was coming off of Notre Dame and Carolina hadn't played on the road since, I'd be more confident because Carolina played well enough at Notre Dame to beat Notre Dame that night if their defense had a pulse. But that's that's not the case. The last time we saw this team on the road was at Pittsburgh. You lost that game in overtime. You competed your tail off in that second half. But if you played for 60 minutes, you most likely win that football game. So that's going to be the issue here. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see. But look, Mac Brown knows the importance of this game. This He got hired to restore order in the state of North Carolina. That's why we wanted him to come coach our football team mm-hmm. because Larry Fedora couldn't beat NC State and he couldn't beat Duke consistently. Well, he's beaten Duke. He's beaten Wake Forest, which that should always be a given. So now it's now now you beat Wake Forest and you can go out and say, hey, we're state champions. Beat, beat, beat State. Yeah, whatever. Is that Wake Forest twice? You know, he'll go up there and say, we're state champions and I'm going to get pissed. But that's what's on the line right now. You can go undefeated in your state this year if you beat the Wolfpack. Well, and I mean, look, in terms of recruiting, that's something that you definitely want to do because you want to continue to show recruits that you run your state. And and he talked about that the other day. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going to take a good effort for 60 minutes, something that they haven't had on the road. Really, yet, I mean – they haven't played a complete game all year. I mean, they they put up a pretty good fight against or against that uh, against Notre Dame on the road. But I feel like that was just a game where you were just outpowered. Um, I don't know though. I feel like even in that game, you had moments where defensively you just didn't look a hundred percent locked in. You made mistakes that you can't. You need this team to be locked in making plays for 60 minutes. There, Look, there will be yards that will be given up. There will be touchdowns that will be given up. But this needs to be a committed effort from everybody on this team for 60 minutes if they want to win. Part of that is that they can, they cannot take the amount of penalties that they have in nope. FPS games recently. They had three the other day against Wofford. But Mac Brown brought up a great point when he was talking about that in the press conference yesterday. He said straight out, hey, look, the reason why we probably didn't have that many penalties in that game was because you don't have the type of athletes that some of these FCS schools or some of these FBS schools do. Carolina in their last four FBS games have had double-digit penalties and triple-digit penalty yards. This is a game that, look, there will be moments where it gets chippy. It's understandable. It's a rivalry. But you've got to limit the boneheaded penalties. You've got to limit the avoidable penalties. The boneheaded ones are the personal fouls, the unnecessary roughness, out-of-bounds stuff, that kind of stuff. The unnecessary penalties are the ones that we saw against Pittsburgh, a false start on second and goal from the two, a holding penalty that erases a long run. Those are the things that cannot happen in this game against a team that right now is probably better than you. Yeah, it, uh, it's it's really frustrating. Um, giving our jobs, we've, we, we've had to talk a lot about this with the Carolina Panthers because they're the third most penalized team in the NFL. And if you're – if, if, if it's happening over and over again, it's happening because you're allowing it to happen. Carolina has allowed them to – the coaching staff has allowed them to play this undisciplined, and that's just the bottom line. And that's something that won't be corrected on Friday night in the bowl game. You'll correct that in spring and summer ball. But you're right. If, if they come out and commit more than six or seven penalties, it's going to be really hard to envision winning the game. And it's because it's not just the, the, the number of penalties. It's the type of penalties that they have and when they have them, the holding, the, the false start on the two-yard line against Pittsburgh effectively cost you the game. And that's one that, again, you can put, a, you can put them on the coaching staff – especially some of these defensive penalties when they leave guys out there and they commit another penalty. A false start in a situation like that, it's I mean, it's on the player. You've got you it just cannot happen especially as a veteran player. That's part of it is that guys simply are just 
not they're they're not executing the way they need to, and they're taking these penalties. I think, I mean, look, you've had some ones on the offensive side of the football that have been egregious. I think the biggest ones that were the most frustrating on the offensive side came against Pittsburgh. Outside of that, the ones that have been the most egregious in all the other games have been the defensive penalties that have usually given teams first downs. Yep. Can't happen in this game. If you stop this team on third down, which you've had enough of an issue doing that as it is, as the season's gone along, you were good in that aspect early in the season. You have not been able to stop teams on third down as the season has moved along. If if you have opportunities to get off the field and you give up first downs because of penalties, there's no way you're winning this game. Oh, I'm, I'm right there with you. So they've got to get that figured out for sure. Um, and then, yeah, I, 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 the, the other thing that uh, you know I, I have is, look, you, you need to see a consistent defensive effort from this team out of the gate. And the main thing that has to happen, we talked about it earlier, how much pressure can you get on Devin Leary, how mm. how much how much creativity do you have trying to get to the quarterback? Because it, it, with with this secondary as banged up as it is, and look, it can be used as an excuse. You have three guys that coming into the season and or even early in the season played major roles for you that are currently out for the out for this game and out for the season. They will not play, and two of those guys or versatile players in Jaquarius Conley and Don Chapman that could play multiple positions and are not there for you. So you're, I mean, you look, you're pretty much relying on the five guys that are going to be out there all night. Well, I forget, Kyler McMichael can rotate in and out on the outside if you need him to. Maybe he can rotate in at nickel. You've pretty much got six guys playing five positions Mm. for the entirety of this game on the back end. Your defensive line needs to help you. They've shown it at times that they're capable of doing it. They did it in the second half against Pittsburgh. They did it against um, Duke earlier in the season. This has to be one of those games where they get some sort of consistent pressure. If anything, they need to get it in that second half for Carolina to win this game. I said earlier that the offensive line has to play their best game. I think the same could be said for Carolina's defensive line. Um, if if Carolina, I don't know, if, I don't know if they have to win the battle in the trenches, but they got to hold their own. And if they can compete for sixty minutes on both sides of the trenches, offensive line and defensive line, I do think they'll be there in the fourth quarter to have a chance to win the football game. If you don't get to Devin Leary, he will pick you apart for four hundred plus yards and who knows how many touchdowns. They've got weapons. They don't mind sitting back there and throwing the football but I don't think it's just all in the defensive line to create that pressure I think you've got to send you've got to send you know whether it's Gimmel said Gray I don't even care if you send some of your defensive backs just to try to confuse him you've got to try to create as much pressure as you can from the minute that ball is snapped to give yourself a chance if you want to come out there and you want to sit and play soft zone coverage defense it's going to be a long game and I don't know if you'll be able to make the adjustments at halftime and be able to come back in the second and have to win this one on the road. Yeah, they can't get in. They, they, you you said it earlier. They can't get behind in this game. You you want to be in a position where you are even. I, I won't say they can't get behind. If they get behind by more than a possession, they are in trouble because this is not a team that is built on either side of the ball to come back and win football games. Not this year, and not with a quarterback that we know will. Give it more than likely, give it a go. But we don't know exactly how healthy he really is and what he's going to look like out there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get, you know, give our official predictions for this game. Um, I'm never going to pick state on this podcast. Never going to happen. Don't care how good they are. Um, and like I said, I, I, I'm, I, I, I think that they are better than people expected them to be coming into the year. I, I thought when I saw that six and a half in Vegas, I thought that was crazy. Uh, I think that this is a game that Carolina can win, but it's going to take, as you mentioned, the best game of the season from your offensive line, the best game of your season from your defensive line. And I think the other, the other thing that they've got to do is they got to feed off the emotion of their quarterback because I feel like in his mind – 
Sam Howell probably knows this is his last game in a Tar Heel uniform. He is yep. going to lay it all out there for his team. They need to feed off of that energy, and they need to find a way to get this man a win. I think, as I talked about earlier, I don't think this is a game that Carolina is going to have an issue getting up for. I think that their offensive and defensive lines will be motivated to have their best games of the season. And I think on the road, Matt, the, the Mac Brown, I, I it's I believe twenty three and one in his last twenty four games against Duke, NC State. And Wake Forest. Mm -hmm. He has had a ton of success against that trio in the triangle area. I think he keeps that going in this one. I think it's going to be a crazy shootout game. I think Carolina wins it 35-31, the final in NC State. And they pick up a big win that can help them, uh, you know, get, get a win over a rival. Doesn't save the season by any stretch of the imagination. But it gives you something to feel good about as you end the regular season. ESPN Football Power Index gives the Wolfpack a 74.1% chance to beat Carolina. That's actually a little bit higher than I anticipated. That's got to be factoring. They don't think slinging Sammy Howell is going to be able to play. Ultimately, I don't think it matters. I think Carolina is going to compete. I think they're going to play the hardest we've seen them play all year. I don't think they're going to beat NC State. I think it'll be uh, a 45-35 NC State win. So, Devil's Advocate, here's how Carolina does win. Fast start, and I'm talking a two, three possession lead early in the first half where you can then dictate the way the game is played, sit on the ball, sit on the clock, and really shorten the game. And, you, you know, you force turnovers, and your defense can hold up for 60 minutes. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think for 60 minutes the defense can hold up enough. Um, and I think in the second half, State will be able to wear Carolina down. They'll 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 finish off another good season for Dave Dorn and his crew at five and three, and we'll limp into our bowl game, six and six, um, and and one more feeling of disappointment after starting the season preseason ranked number ten in the country. So also make sure you guys get your applications in. We're looking for a new co-host. I mean, hey, it is look, what it is. You got you got to be got to be real. You can't pick State on this podcast. Um. You know, had Carolina not lost the games they've lost this year, probably wouldn't have picked NC State to win. But I have a hard time believing a team that lost on the road at Georgia Tech is going to go on the road at NC State and beat a much better Wolfpack team in a much tougher environment. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, those those are all valid points. I think, again, the rivalry aspect is probably the thing that plays into it uh, the most for me. I think that you've – you're hoping that you are a better team than you were early in the season against Georgia Tech. Uh, my gosh. Especially, I think, one area, and, and we didn't talk about it here, uh, you've got the, what they've done the last couple of years against State that's worked so well is they've ran the football extremely well. You need Ty Chandler to come out and run the football well against this NC State team, which starts with your offensive line. But... Um, I, I just I, – I know the environment's going to be crazy. I feel like this is probably one of those things where, I mean, it, you, you look, if they finish the season 8-5, and five, that's a – I mean, that's a hell of a job to save what could have been a non-bowl game season for you with the stretch that you face at the end of the year. You go 2-2 two and two in the final stretch of four FBS opponents where they were all ranked. So that's something you can build off of. Definitely a season that you're still going in dis very disappointed in, um, considering where you were at preseason-wise. But I, I don't know. I feel like there's there's a lot of extra motivation in this game. All we need now is can we get someone from NC State to say something that we can post up on that bulletin board like Mandy Alonzo did? Because if you add that in, I think that 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 could that could be what puts it over the top for Carolina in terms of motivation in this game. Uh, let's get to the one closing note. The thing I wrote down here today: they announced the Bolitnikoff Award finalists. Um, two guys very deserving: Jamison Williams at Alabama, uh, as well as Jordan Addison at a Pitt. We saw him the other day, and his stats are ridiculous. He, he I mean, Jamison Williams is having a tremendous season. Uh, Jordan Addison's numbers are just out of this world 
Um, David Bell was the other guy that got in. Uh, wide receiver out of Purdue. You probably heard he's played a very big part in their top five upsets. Um, but my thing is, I mean, you look at his statistics as opposed to what Josh Downs has done this season. Downs has more receptions than he does this year, more receiving touchdowns, and he is right in the same neighborhood as him in terms of receiving yards. Bell has 1,207 yards receiving so far this season. Josh Downs, 1,198 yards receiving this year. Purdue, very similar to Carolina in terms of the success so far this season. Um, Not going to say that they probably look at this as – as bad of a season as Carolina does. They're 7-4. and four. Um, But the other thing is, is you look at his wide receiving core, he's gotten a little more help around him than Josh Downs, who has pretty much had to be this team's entire passing game up until Anton Green's breakout, what, against Notre Dame? That was pretty much when he broke out. So Carolina, I, I, I think... This is, I wonder if the fact that Carolina hasn't had a ton of success this year is one of the reasons why I think that he deserved to be a finalist ahead of uh, David Bell in that category. Uh, This award should just reside in Columbus, Ohio. Because none of those three those, those, are up there. Those three Amazingly. wide receivers are better than the three finalists that got finalized for this award. I don't know, man. Jordan Addison is. So, I, I I got I got his stats right um, here really quick. Let let's Addison this season seventy four receptions, a hundred and or one thousand two hundred and seventy two yards and fifteen touchdowns. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. He's pretty good. That would probably be my vote. I'm not saying that Downs has better stats than that. I think that, you know, just being named a finalist this year would have been a tremendous accomplishment for him. But, I mean, you look, he's leading the he's leading the country in receptions this season. And the thing for me is he has been so consistent every game. Teams clearly are, ga- are trying to game plan to take him away. If you're not... I don't understand what you're doing. He still has eight or more catches in 10 of the 11 games this season. Yep. So, to me, I think he deserves to be a finalist over David Bell. I think David Bell's a tremendous receiver, by the way. They went from Rondale Moore to David Bell. What a transition. But I definitely think that Josh Downs being a little respected there for how good of a season uh, that he has had. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast, guys. Make sure you head over to the website, check out all the stuff that we're going to have up for this game against NC State. Uh, We got the preview going up there, which will be a little more in-depth than what we talked about here today in terms of we'll have the team breakdown, team stack comparisons, we'll have injury report for you guys. Uh, And when that comes out on Thursday, hopefully you know we'll have something on Sam Howell's status, but probably not. We'll keep you guys up to date as we possibly can on that. Uh, projected starting lineups uh, as well as keys to the game. Well, I'll go a little more in depth on some of the ones that we talked about here um, for a, a Carolina victory over the hated NC State Wolfpack. Um, and then after it's over, we'll have the recap, stock report, and that'll be it for the regular season. We'll then go and take a look at some of the, you know, some of the bowl games Carolina is being projected to. Again, all that's going to be speculation, but that's one of the things that people love to do around this time of year is bowl projections, especially once the regular season is over. So we'll tell you where uh, they have Carolina slotted to go, where they expect Carolina will land. Um, And who knows? Carolina could be coming close to home here. Uh, We've seen a couple of times uh, so far this week where Carolina has been mocked to the Duke's Mayo Bowl. So that would be pretty cool to see them back here in Charlotte, uh, especially if they were to meet South Carolina here in Charlotte, which is something that I've seen a couple of times um, with, you know, the success that Shane Beamer has had, the fact that, uh, you know, Mac and 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 Frank Beamer have a, a relationship um, from Mac's first tenure and stint uh, at Carolina, and of course the fact that the first game that Mac played uh, or Mac coached, uh, excuse me, uh, back here at Carolina was in Bank of America Stadium against South Carolina back in 2019. Also, if he did end up playing in that game, it could come full circle for Sam Howe. Starts his career in Bank of America, finishes his college career in Bank of America, and does he play his professional football in Bank of America? There's a very good chance he could be <laughs> you a never really know. Carolina Panther. You never really know. So how about
about that that would be something worth keeping an eye on and we'll have all those great projections for you all the speculation where we think Carolina ends up where we want to see him end up all that great stuff and then of course once the season is over once they play their bowl game it'll be the same thing we'll have this the the, uh, the recap or the preview of the bowl game recap stock report but then after that final grades and then we'll move officially into the offseason one other thing in between the bowl game and the regular season finale is you will have early signing day in there. Looks like Carolina's pretty solid with the class that they got right now. I feel like they are attempting to probably flip either one or two prospects in the class might also be looking uh, to add uh, uh, you know another guy that's currently uncommitted in Benji Gosnell to the class uh, it has been uh, a little bit quiet on those fronts uh, ever since Andre Green Jr. did commit but uh, we'll Get, take you all the way up to signing day uh, and tell you on signing day who Carolina signs. We'll have the breakdown, all that great stuff. Podcast, it'll be me and Zach Hubbard running through all the guys that Carolina signs on that day, what they mean to the class, how you know what, what, what type of impact we see them having, all that great stuff. Uh, so make sure you're keeping an eye on all of that on the website at HeelToughBlog.com. Also, basketball season in full swing. Carolina coming off uh, a weekend that they probably would have liked to have been a little more successful uh, in Unkinsville, Connecticut. Also, by the time that this is up, they will have played the game against UNC Asheville. So all that stuff is on the website for you guys. Make sure you go up there and check that out uh, as we are taking you through Carolina basketball season. Josh has he covered uh, with all those things, any other storylines and everything that's going on with the basketball program on the website side of things, on the podcast side of, th- side of things. It's me and him uh, talking Toriel basketball throughout the season on the four Corners podcast. Uh, we've been going through that so far for you this season, approaching a lot of the uh, tough topics early on after um, you know the, the the weekend that was for Carolina basketball uh, up in Connecticut. And we'll continue to take you through as this team tries to grow into the Hubert Davis era. Uh, and then uh, you know, of course, here on the football side of things, uh, we've been taking you through all that. You can find those podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, any of those major places that you find your podcast, and you can also find it on the website. When you do find it on any in any of those areas, make sure that you subscribe so that it goes right into your podcast library so you can listen to the next episode right there and then when it comes out. Um, if you're somebody that likes to watch the podcast, well, we encourage you to head over to the <sighs> Facebook page. Even if you're not, you've got the articles, you've got the audio editions of the podcast all that great stuff is in one location on that facebook page like it follow it it'll update you whenever we have live videos coming out whenever we have premieres coming out uh all that stuff and you get the articles and everything right on your timeline so you don't have to be looking in those facebook groups to see if you miss something so make sure that you guys do that and when you do Swing over to Twitter and give us a follow on there as well, at HeelToughBlog on Twitter. Personal pages, me at HTBAnthony, Josh at HTBJosh, and Zach Hubbard, who will be taking us through all that great stuff during the early signing day um, and that early signing period with us at HackZubber2 on Twitter. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Josh for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always... Go Tar Heels!